Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change, and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear about that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters. They're on the ground, letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, getting a broader picture from gender inclusion when it comes to fisheries in Tonga and how this might help to keep some important cultural practices alive. Also, the impact that rising ocean temperatures are having on storms, cyclones and weather patterns, just to name a few. And we'll revisit a story from earlier in 2023, how multiple genders play a role in disaster planning in Samoa. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. First to Tonga today. And there's been some discussions around gender inclusion and fisheries in Tonga and what kind of positive changes that could bring with it. Freelance journalist Josiah Nanunga has more. The Pacific Community, or SPC, through the Pacific European Union Marine Partnership Program, or PUMP, is spearheading a gender and social inclusion training at the Tanua Hotel, Nukwalofa in Tonga. The training involved officers from the Ministry of Fisheries in Tonga and aimed at applying gender equity and social inclusion lenses in fisheries with focus on coastal fisheries working with Special Management Areas Program. The program has been supporting Pacific Island countries to strengthen the capacity to lead and support gender-sensitive approaches to apply and integrate JESSE lenses at institutional level and in the design and implementation of interventions. The two-day training will also build the confidence and technical capacity of the Ministry of Fisheries to understand concepts and ideas of JESSE and how these apply JESSE lenses to their fisheries work. Additionally, the training provided practical tools and application support on how to bring social and human dimensions into the focus of coastal fisheries, particularly around small-scale fisheries management, The Ministry of Fisheries is proud of their SME program that enables communities to be drivers of change in managing their resources. SBC Country Focal Officer in Tonga, Siweli Eleni Mone, says coastal fisheries and aquaculture are the lifelines for many Tongans who rely on marine resources to put food on the tables, to generate income, or to keep alive our traditional cultural heritage as people of the ocean. 
I I think that the good thing is we're trying to empower the the women in the ministry so that they feel uh, more confident that uh, when they do introduce the activities and the programs for women in their capacity building, they themselves are confident. Because I know that uh, some of the women want to uh, do businesses, want to be more involved. So I think it's a it's a good um, start. Uh, we've got a long way to go, but I think we're good. Because I was telling um, uh, Marjorie and Natalie, these women are at the fisheries. They chose to be there. You know, there are so many other sections that could have joined up. The fact that they are with fisheries, they have a, a keen interest in that particular area. Mm. So I'm happy about right. that. Fisheries, uh, you know, a lot of perspective from Pacific Islanders that it's a male-dominated field. Uh, you know, now with uh, with how we've progressed over the years, what's your take on the need to you know to engage more women in this field, spearheading, executing the work on the ground at the wharf, or tracking down uh, culprits who breach the Fisheries Act? What's your take on that? My take is um, changing the lens, how we look at gender, how we stereotype things, how that um, these activities, we've built it into this is a male area and this is what, but then um, changing the lens and that women are pretty good. Uh, They've started out in businesses. Uh, They started out in this. A lot of them now are highly uh, 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 qualified technical skills in the fishing and we're Pacific Islanders so the more we get our women uh, to partner with our men in the fishing activities I think is, is a big plus for our countries. Right. What's the anticipation uh, you know the outcome of the, the trading uh, as the team uh, wraps up on day three? I think that uh, our two objectives will be uh, achieved um, for short term I think they'll be more aware, aware of their roles, of what we're unpacking. My big um, uh, uh, objective or goal is that we follow up. It's always nice to have a good uh, workshop and after the workshop feel good about it. But I think it's the follow-up that we don't lose track, that we keep them motivated, that we keep other programs, that, um, that we find out more on how more we can help and uh, promote uh, women involvement, recognition in this particular area. Lastly, uh, this question just popped out of my mind. Uh, you've been in Tonga for quite some time. And following the volcanic eruption uh, last year, what was the, you know, the marine or the fishery status, uh, you know, a few months after the eruption? Well, the big thing was they told us that we could not touch the the fish and the resources from the sea because they told us it was so so called poisonous. So we were a bit careful. Uh, but after a few uh, attempts, they uh, cleared it all up. So I am thankful that the Ministry of Fisheries was able to hastily uh, test out, provide uh, uh, what is it services. So this area, this um, source of our our uh, consumption, uh, was quickly uh, um, dealt with, declared uh, safe so that because a lot of our, our diet is, is from the sea. So I think they did a good job there and um, I think we um, should promote more. I think if I remember a CEO of Fisheries said that now uh, we are, uh, Tongans are learning to farm. 
uh, more of our fishing supplies because um, at one st- stage it was abundant. Now uh, the, it's gone down in supply. So we're now learning to farm and to grow uh, and be careful of our species from the sea. Let us hear from two participants who are staff of the ministry who shared their experience about the training. Hello, my name is uh, Sisi Hafoka. Um, I'm a principal fisheries officer um, situated at the Corporate Service Division, Ministry of Fisheries, and I've been with the Ministry of Fisheries for seven years now. How has been the journey like uh, working in the ministry? Um, I think uh, from my current job now, a lot of um, administrative work. Eh? So mainly we we take care of the human resources and management um, um, stuff. And yeah, like I said, basically just administration work. The workshop organized over the next three days. Uh, how has been you know the session so far? Information uh, sharing and knowledge uh, uh, exchange with your colleagues and with our coordinators. Just talk about it. Um, this uh, workshop has been indeed uh, eye-opening. Um, first off, when I heard of uh, gender equality, social inclusion, my first thought was it's just a focus on women rights. But um, after the after today, I've learned a lot of things um, that is very important, especially that gender equality and uh, social inclusion does not focus on women only, but um, for women and men, disabled and able people, those who have a disadvantage and are vulnerable. Um, so yes, um, I hope that. Um, what I can take from this knowledge, um, from this uh, workshop, will um, increase my capacity of knowing more about uh, gender equality and be able to share it with the rest of my um, colleagues at work. At Fisheries. At Fisheries, mm-hmm. yes. My name is um, Osayasi Moari, and uh, I'm from Umusi Tongatapu. Uh, uh, I'm uh, 19 years old, and I've been growing up in uh, high school uh, since from uh, Tongas High School. Been here from uh, up for Oak since the Catholic Church, and up to a state that I'm now in university. I never thought I would be, and uh, and I'm so 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 happy that I'm able to to come and work at the fisheries. Uh, what actually motivated you to to join the Ministry of Fisheries here in Tonga, uh, considering the fact that you study law? Uh, yeah. Um, what motivated me was uh, the past few years since I was young age. Mm. My father was uh, a lawyer at, at the Ministry of Fisheries. Mm. So yeah, I've been growing up as a kid. I as a kid, I was able to know the people at the fisheries. And uh, seeing them is just like seeing my young child as families to me. So I just wanted to go back and uh, become uh, a second a second uh, person like my dad, able to help them and, and also to build up the ministry to become a better one. 
Uh, following your father's uh, footsteps, now you, you, you managed to secure a position uh, within the ministry. Just talk about the work uh, that you are currently doing. Uh, I'm a laborer at uh, the compliance division. Um, uh, but my work, uh, I've been in, uh, doing different sites, but they usually hold me off to uh, boarding all the ships. Like, um, getting all the informations after the arrival, departure, checking and inspection, all in all the ships. And, uh, that's kind of it, uh, a bit that I've been doing from the last week since I've just been inside my job. Are you enjoying it so far? Yes, uh, yes, yes, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm. Uh, since this job is uh, mainly for men, mm. but, uh, I can talk about how this job can, uh, from during this program, I've been, uh, learning some stuff, how trying to act up as women, you can do other stuff too, like, uh, do other men's stuff. So from taking from the example, uh, in our division, there's observers mm. that goes on the ships and, uh, I've, we've been lately for some trainings and, and there's a woman in the training. Mm. So, it, for the past few years, uh, uh, due to the wage of, uh, getting from the government right now, uh, it's pretty low. And men have started going on a uh, fruit picking. So, uh, women's are the only number, women's are the only one left here in the country. So, this job can, uh, encourage women to stand up. They can help us and, uh, try to fulfill this, uh, um, this job. So, um, that's why, uh, this job is very interesting and it can help a lot. I am Chosai Nanunga reporting from Nukualofa in Tonga. Thanks to Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Josai Nanunga for that story. My name's Fred Hooper and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. More intense cyclones and storms, rising sea levels and changing weather patterns, all things that are impacted by increasing ocean temperatures. And in 2023, it's looking worse than ever. Dr. Wenju Kai is a lead researcher with Australia's National Science Agency, otherwise known as the CSIRO, and he spoke with the ABC's Tyne Logan recently. I think ocean temperature matters a lot because a lot of our terrestrial environment and also the ocean marine lives, uh, our sea levels and how um, the oceans sequestered carbon dioxide from atmosphere all depends on the ocean temperature. And so when the temperature is as high as this, it has a lot of impact. One of the most <laughs> obvious impact is marine heat waves, which give a lot of uh, heat stress to marine lives and potentially could change the, uh, the biotis of, of, of some marine uh, biology Right. So that's, that's one, one kind of why, you know, uh, ocean temperature matters. And the other one is we are seeing very extreme weather. For example, just the, the cyclone, uh, Doxurai, uh, 
it's landed in China and, 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 and it's causing a lot of uh, headache and, and pain and damage to a large area. And that kind of tropical depression, cyclone and storms uh, before, before they land, it's powered by ocean temperature. So when the ocean temperature is high, the intensity could be much higher and the damage uh, could be much more devastating. And there's another one. The other one is that if this ocean temperature is high and it continuously high for a long time, then for any given region, if it's particularly high, it's increasing the sea level rise. Yeah. And sea level rise is one area. And of course, um, the other bit is when I, I mentioned that when the ocean temperature is high, then the ocean's ability to take carbon, increasing carbon is in, in, in itself, uh, uh, maybe a cause of the temperature itself. So the, the ocean's ability to take the carbon is, is lower and that could be a positive feedback. And in terms of the weather extremes, are you able to explain to me a little bit more um, mm. that relationship between the ocean temperature and the power of our weather systems and what types of weather systems it powers? Yes. So the weather system, I think we are particularly uh, worried about the um, cyclones. Warm ocean temperature could power a very um, energetic, uh, devastating uh, cyclones. Your ocean is warm, it's very warm surrounding you, then the ocean, you know, what we what we know is that the ocean's heat capacity is very large. The ocean releases heat. So if, for example, the system is to produce a heat wave anyway, those heat waves would be also um, uh, uh, intensified by the ocean high temperature uh, than otherwise. So Usually in the summer season, the ocean would take a little bit of heat from the land because the, for example, you talk about, um, North, North America or China, you had a westy wind that blow uh, hot air onto the ocean, warms the ocean, right? The ocean, if it's not warm enough, the ocean's ability to take heat from the mm. overlying wind will be much more efficient. And so if the ocean itself is already very hot, each ability to take heat, I mean, the, the efficiency of taking heat is the differential between the air temperature and the ocean surface temperature. It's a difference. So if that difference is less, uh, it, it is smaller than the ocean's ability to mitigate the heat wave from land over land is it, much less. And so that in a way that is intensifying it. Yeah. It's actually not necessarily the ocean temperature. If the land temperature is warm and also the land moisture is high, that cyclone will not die as fast. You see, the ocean is very good in powering cyclone because it not only has heat, but also has moisture, right? And you need both. But in a warming world, uh, particularly in the northern summer, the land is really very hot this summer. It's, I mean, it's making record. But the moisture uh, and the global warming, the moisture is also higher. I mean, 10% higher than the early in the century, in the 1900s. There's 125 years of global warming, and, and there's a 1.3 degree of global warming. One degree of warming increased the moisture 
by 7%. Thanks to Dr. Wenju Kai from the CSIRO and the ABC's Tyne Logan for that story. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepare. Now to a story from a little earlier in 2023. People are just not ready to unplug from the matrix, you know, to comes into terms with the reality of their culture is that indigenous cultures have third, fourth or even a fifth gender. We've always been there. Yuki Kahara is an artist and she's also a fa'afafine from Samoa. So fa'afafine in the manner of a woman used to describe those like myself, assigned male at birth who expressed your gender in a, ma- uh, in a feminine way. And according to Yuki, this identification has a lot of flow-on effects, including around planning for disasters. Uh, my name is Yuki Kihara. I'm an interdisciplinary artist uh, of Samoan and Japanese descent, and I currently reside in the village of Mount Vaya uh, in the island of Upolu in the independent state of Samoa. Okay, so in Samoa, there are four culturally recognized genders. So there's Tane, which is a cisgender man, Fafine, which is a cisgender woman, Fafafine is made up of uh, two compound words, so Fa meaning in the manner of, and Fafine meaning woman. So Fafafine in the manner of a woman used to describe those like myself, assigned male at birth who expressed your gender in a, ma- uh, in a feminine way. And we also have Fatsama, uh, those assigned female at birth who expressed your gender in a, a masculine way and then together we make up four of the genders in Samoa however Fa'afafine and Fa'atama we are not legally recognized and then so the reason why we're not legally recognized is because of the series of uh, colonialisms um, and uh, uh, religious enforcement that uh, puts uh, forward and prioritize uh, to, uh, you know, for colonized peoples uh, to identify with uh, Western binary divisions of man and woman. Mm-hmm. When we look at the uh, policies and legislations around um, climate change and disaster risk management, a lot of the times, uh, you know, these um, policies and legislations are geared towards man um, uh, woman binary decision uh, divisions that um, that doesn't actually recognize third and the fourth sexes um, of uh, Samoan culture so which becomes very problematic because being a fafafine in fatsama in Samoa is that you're already a minority you're already a a, a vulnerable uh, community um, and, you know, it just makes it even worse when it's actually compounded by uh, re- uh, discrimination um, as well as uh, uh, climate change and uh, disaster risk management. Can you give me an example of what those kind of things look like on the ground for you? You're talking about um, policy decisions around climate change and natural disasters. Yeah, I mean, like, for example... Um, uh, you know, when there are surveys uh, and in stats, uh, you know, made about uh, climate change and disaster risk management, um, the people who are surveying uh, are actually, uh, you know, surveying, you know, the categories of um, categories of men and categories of women, uh, which is very binary and is really problematic because us, the Fafafina and the Fatsama community, we do not belong to those binary categories that that uh, the experience of 
you know, my experience as a Fafafine is not an experience of a woman or it's not an experience of a man. It's a very particular experience to the Fafafine, uh, which is compounded by, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, transphobia, homophobia, Fafafobia, um, uh, you know, being in a developing country, um, uh, and, and uh, so on and so forth. Are there expectations around in Samoa, I think we, sh- we we talk specifically around Samoa, are there expectations around what a male's role is and what a female's role is during and after a disaster? And is that how then it affects somebody who's not included in that planning? The thing is, is that I kind of feel like these legislations often feel, um, you know, often, you know, describe the Fafafini and the Fatsama community as a burden. But in the matter of fact, you know, traditionally, our roles as Fafafini and Fatsama, we are the caretakers of young children and the elderly. And then those are the same uh, roles that we do in the event of climate change and uh, disaster risk management. Mm. So to take our roles away from us, that was culturally designated, you know, into the Western binary system of man and woman, mm-hmm. doesn't actually recognize the resilience of the culture and then how everybody contributes to the, to the sustainability and the recovery of our traditions and our culture. But, um, but it's really problematic when these Western-trained indigenous uh, 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 lawyers and, and policymakers come to, or come to the island and enforce those Western binaries and then forgetting the fact, um, you know, exactly who they're actually supposed to serve. How long have these kind of genders e- existed for in Samoa? Well, the thing is, is that Fafafini and Fatama is not a new phenomenon. We've always been here, but we've always been ignored by the Western heteronormative uh, binary Systems that has been um, imposed on indigenous communities, um, where um, uh, uh, where uh, you know people are just not ready to unplug from the matrix, you know, to comes into terms with the reality of their culture is that indigenous cultures have third, fourth, or even a fifth gender. We've always been there, but capitalism makes you aspire, you know, to conform into Western heteronormative binary divisions, because that's the only way you could gain some sort of like uh, power, wealth, and access. There are progress being made, but unless our uh, uh, our gender as Fafafili and Fatsama are not legally recognised, then our experience within the climate change space. And um, in, as well as the space of our disaster risk management won't be acknowledged or won't be recognized because uh, it means that resources can't come to us, you know, in order to support ourselves. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, 
Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. If you're working on something that's directly related to this program, let us know because we'd love to tell everybody about it. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, a topic to cover or someone that you think we should meet. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect with Pacific Prepared section. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.